Mark, Mark is really ripping on that guitar solo, man. <laughs> Who picks the music? Whatever's free, baby. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Very little. I love that. Wow. It's awesome. The first time he had it on, I was like, I'm like dancing. <laughs> like, I did the Batusi the first time. Yes. It was incredible. Maybe we'll have a chance to play the guilty pleasures. <laughs> I think, oh, Mike, God. you should switch switch to the live cameras next time. Like, start like you're playing the video, but then switch yeah. to the live cameras and keep the music going. God. I'm telling God. you, it's Joe terrifying. and I are winning that Jackrabbit Slim's twist contest. You wait. <laughs> oh, God. So, anyways, uh, good evening, everybody. It's 9 o'clock on a Friday, somewhere close. Um, it's time for What's on Joe Mind. You're in the team stream. Uh, it is old home week as our, our old co-host Carson Metaxas is with us from 3D Joe's. You can see him there in the presidential suite of the Motel uh, <laughs> 5 in Orlando, Florida. It's the Hilton. This whole floor smells like weed. Every time I step off the elevator, swear to God, get a contact buzz. I'm like, Happy people, hey, man. Oh, my God. People, That's what I'm, call I'm here to work. <laughs> you know? That's why they call it the happiest place on earth, right? I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. And of course, uh, uh, Mike Gerzari joining us are the regulars, uh, the honcho Mark Weber, uh, former head of uh, marketing for the G.I. Joe brand and Hasbro. And of course, the queen of G.I. Joe cosplay, Joe Colton, is with us. Hi, everybody. Oh, oh, there she goes. Being, <laughs> being as disruptive as she normally is. That's my thing. That's that was true. an interactive blowing you a kiss, Joe. Mwah! Right there. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Mike, you want one? Oh, oh yes. wrong direction. It's backwards. Right. Yeah, oh, it's so weird. <laughs> wait a minute. There it is. Okay, I threw you one. This whole Brady Bunch thing is really hard to get. <laughs> you guys have stepped it up since you had me on the show, though. Seriously, <laughs> like the, the production quality, I'm, I'm digging what you guys are doing these guys, these days. So good job. Seriously. Thanks. I told you, told you back when you joined, man. I was trying to. I know, but you you were trying to make me figure out how to do it, and I was like, I already do this stuff for a living. Like, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't need to figure it out. I was figure out this other video thing, and I'm like, I was, man, I wasn't trying to make you do it. I was just, I was asking for ideas. That's yeah. basic. I mean, really, like like when I said that I knew nothing about any of this stuff. Yeah, I think you overestimated what I meant by nothing. I'm so I'm so proud to look at you guys now, though. Like you, you got it all figured out, and you definitely stepped up, stepped up the quality, man. That's, that's well, we went to live streams, yeah, which was good, and then we went to the stream yards, mm -hmm. right? And then now, like Mike is like guru. And he's got like a logo and he's got like the little icon and he changes the YouTube like yeah. pin or whatever it's called. I'm not responsible for the logo. The logo was was done by by George Greeno, longtime friend of the show. No, nice. but you put it on the backdrop of the four, like it's Oh well, you know. Yeah. That, that's just what teams that's just what StreamYard lets us do. So yep. anyways, we are we're brought to you as we are every week by the folks at StreamYard. And to Kokomo Toys. So um, sing with me the theme song, Kokomo, Kokomo, Kokomo Toys. Kokomo Toys. Kokomo, Kokomo. Kokomo, Kokomo toys. toys. I do every third word like the Beastie Boys. It's awesome. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're watching at home, if you're live, go ahead and like our video. Uh, subscribe to our channel if you're not. Most of the folks who watch us actually are subscribed. I'm, I'm really proud of everybody for that. That really helps us out a lot. But like that video. Uh, that helps us get in the rotation here at YouTube. If you're watching us on on Facebook, 
then go ahead and, and hit the little like react there too. And that helps us get in the rotation at Facebook. Uh, just go ahead and do that now. Don't wait till and, later. And share it to your pages and better yet, share it to the groups so they know that this live stream is going on. Um, over, over the last week, I've had a dozen people ask me, hey, man, did you record that panel? And I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I didn't. And I mean, honestly, like now's a chance to, if you were sorry you missed the panel, share this with your friends and hopefully people that wanted to see it will at least get some of the information. I don't, I don't have all the props and everything here with me that I did last weekend, but I'll give you the rundown. Right. We'll let it go. Yeah. So we're going to switch things up a little bit this week because Carson is out on assignment and still joining us anyway. Take notes, Joe Colton. <laughs> oh, smack. I just got real. <laughs> So anyways, Carson is on the road and working this weekend. So we're going to let him go first uh, so then he can go to bed and and because he's got to be up super early in the morning uh, to I'm, get up and do it all over again on Saturday. I'm really most excited about getting a shower. Uh, I'm down in steamy Orlando right now. And so two days of video production in the field in steamy Orlando, is it's pretty sticky down here. That means that the entire city smells like balls is what that means. Or and, marijuana, and yeah. And, and <laughs> you got to hope with ball. You got to cope with ball smell somehow. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, so to, to help Joe Colton out, that means that it, what it smells like, anyways. Uh oh, <laughs> too far, way too far. Right, Lose, losing the audience, Mike. Right. Habitual line stepper. There's a line. I, I mean, if if she had remembered to unmute her mic, she'd we'd have probably heard something back from her. Like a. Fuck. Oh, I, I was gonna say she's saving money because she knows the curse jar isn't that full. Oh. <laughs> so every time I swear, Carson, money goes in the jar, and people Another have one. to like support her coffee. So much for being featured on the YouTube Kids channel. Right. <laughs> right. No, so we're we're educational. We're teaching them all new words. Okay. Oh. Professor Colton is in the building. The swear jar is, of course, brought to us by our good friends at All the Cool Stuff. Um, uh, because they're British, they know all about all the good swears. And uh, and you can uh, help Joe Colton support the swear jar as well by visiting our, our coffee page. You can catch the link for that down below as well. You want to you wanna help Joe Colton out? You want to buy Joe Colton out of the swear jar? Coffee page. Thank you if you've already done that, by the way. Yes. So Carson, let's get let's let's before I before we change subjects again. Yep. Um, tell us all about your Joe Fest experience. Oh boy. Um, well, so I took my dad to the 101st Airborne reunion last week, and it started out with looking at the display of like 12,000 troops, and we had Apache flybys, and it was just an amazing week with my dad. Uh, but that was in Kentucky. And he had a uh, reunion dinner that Thursday night. So I didn't get to come in until Friday and I had to drive down from Kentucky to Augusta. So I got in late. I got in at like 10 p.m. And then I cranked on my panel presentation until like 2 a.m. So nobody saw me until Saturday. And basically Saturday morning was when I was presenting. So I basically came in like down to the wire. Right. And there was one presenter before me, Michael French, and uh, he's ret retro blasting. And he had a sidekick with him, and his sidekick was hilarious. Does anybody know who Michael French, French's sidekick is? No? no? I need a sidekick. So I'm going to put the request out there to the community. 3D Joe's needs a sidekick for panel presentations that has like that witty banter back and forth rapport right. that Michael French had with whoever. 
who is who is the guy who had the cobra glider oh that's my buddy joe yeah joe colston no he's he's awesome but i don't think he wants to put himself like in front of a panel of people you know what i mean he's, he's witty though joe's witty joe's witty when he's drinking and joe's great i just don't know if joe wants to sit at the front of a panel and go back and forth with me maybe he would I so know. I have a plan. So when we did Finest House, we just yes. got him drunk, dressed him up, and he right. went. So like, just don't tell him. Get him yeah. drunk. Sit him in the sit him next to you at the panel, yeah. and then let him go. For for whoever has not seen the Finest House series, it's where a bunch of the finest costumers got together and just got obliterated for a weekend in costume and mostly stayed in character. Like Falcon Falcon was the creepy guy hitting on everybody. Yep. Joe Joe was Joe Cobra. And he was just like this really socially awkward guy that couldn't wear his mask right. It was just, I think he had just been recruited by Cobra. New, yeah, he was new and he didn't know what to do and he wanted to go home. <laughs> yeah, he was funny, man. He was a highlight of the Finest House uh, series. So yeah, Joe's got, Joe's definitely got potential. Joe, if you're watching, I don't know if you are. And if you want to do the next panel with me, we should try that out because I thought Michael French and his little sidekick were amazing. You, you, had, you had somebody in the house right there. Do you want to be a sidekick, Mark? Right. I'm pretty much built to be a sidekick, right? Everybody's looking, everybody's looking for a 6'2 pasty redhead to not steal the show. Right? <laughs> I mean, it worked for Andy Richter for how many years? Right? I could totally right. do his job. So, uh, so Michael French, like, I guess he didn't need a projector. But my whole presentation, like, I needed a projector. I had built this keynote slide presentation the night before. I was up till 2 a.m. working on this thing. So I definitely needed a projector. I came up there an hour early figuring, hey, I'm early. I'm an hour early. I'm good. There was no projector. Um, and I, I've, you know what I'm saying. I was on a little bit of sleep and I had been running hard. And I was like, God, where am I? And so I went running around the building and found the very nicest door guy, David. And he was, you know, checking people at the door. That's why I call him door guy. I'm sure his role title, like his title is more important than that. But anyway, he went and found the projector, still mint in the box, never been opened, never removed from box projector. So we go running up to the room and I take it out and I'm putting it together and I'm hooking it up to my laptop. And the whole time I'm trying not to interrupt Michael French because he's up there giving his presentation. He didn't care. He didn't, know, didn't need a projector. So I'm sitting there trying to set this stuff up. And I literally, this is all my video gear. I had all this out in the car, ready to go. I was gonna do a multi-camera shoot of my panel with like wireless audio, DSLR camera, zoom lenses. I was ready and I had Joe and Jim ready to shoot for me. They were gonna sit there and man the cameras. And literally by the time I got this projector hooked up, it was like 20 minutes to go until the presentation. And I was like, I could run out to the car and try to grab everything and set it up, but then I'm just gonna be stressed out and sweaty by the time it's time for the panel. So, so I ended up not shooting the panel. Yeah, it is what it is. So anyway, luckily, I think, Mark, you were in the room. How did you think it went, man? I mean, I, I didn't get to see all of it because I was taking care of some other things in the morning. But what yeah. I saw, it went over huge, right? So It, it felt nobody, amazing. Not only was nobody else doing anything like this right now, but nobody's ever done anything like this ever. So, yeah, it was it was what, what the, the, you know, the young marketers like to call blue water. Right. Nice. We want to nice. be in the blue water. We don't want to be in the red water. So, right. Yeah. It was big. Time. It's, it's just, to me, it's a confluence of events. Um, you know, I've been, I've been at this archiving thing for nine years now. And over the course of nine years, I've met a lot of the people that created this stuff along the way. And we've been slowly and steadily building these creator profile pages 
where we have hours of interviews and you know dozens and dozens of pre-production sketches and presentation art and unadorned package art and process documents and memos and letters and turnaround sculpt sheets and just everything. So we've been working on establishing these relationships and like strengthening these relationships. And what's who's got, who's got some video games on? Yeah, somebody left something down here. I'm gonna go take care of it. Hang on. Okay. All right, Mark, you grab it. All right. So while you're doing that, I'm gonna pull up a screen share. I'm gonna do my best to like do justice to this presentation, but y'all understand I'm not at the front of a boardroom. I don't have like all all the my Joe family around me, and I really fed off that stuff last weekend. Seeing everybody's reaction in the crowd and like vibing off of them was absolutely amazing. And there's no way I can replicate that. And I don't have the physical props to show you, so that's a limiting factor too. But I'll try to recap what I did last weekend. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Before you yeah. show anything. For the folks at home who who were not connected to Joe Fest at all, yeah, give give the the two sentence synopsis of your project. All right, 3D Joe's is a website that archives GI Joe. Collecting the art of GI Joe is a book series that documents every single piece of painted art from 1982 to 1994. I sold through those books like two years ago, but we're not lame. We don't want to just hit reprint and make more copies of what we've already done. We want to do it better. And so one of the ways that we wanted to do it better was add a ton of creator profile, uh, creator interviews to it to add a bunch more content, bunch more stories of the people that helped make this stuff. And so that was kind of the birth of this project. I don't want to give this, I don't want to spoil it by giving it away. I'm going to walk you through kind of the sequence. Hang on one second. Okay. All right. Window, presentation, share, play. All right. Is that full screen for you guys? Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, sweet. So I'm naming this Operation Recall. The reason it's Operation Recall is in the military, you can recall any soldiers that have retired from duty in times of you know dire domestic need. You can call them back. And so basically, um, I had created this book series. I had sold out of this book series. Uh, it's Collecting the Art of G.I. Joe. I'll skip the little animation there. Actually, I'll show the animation. It's pretty cool. I worked hard on it. Yeah, man, that's sexy. So this is cool. the slipcase, and the slipcase holds all six books. So there's the six books. Fate, catching up to you. All right, so basically, that book series was a great, huge success, man. The last Kickstarter, we raised $47,000 in two weeks. We printed volume five and volume six and the slipcase. The slipcase was you know, a $17,000 slipcase. I made a thousand of them, 17 bucks a piece. And we just gave them away uh, to every backer. Every single backer got a free slipcase. Um, it took about a year and a half to sell the leftover books, which is exciting, but it also kind of sucks because 3D Joe's, we don't have any ad revenue. And that was kind of how I was offsetting the expenses for everything associated with the website, right? So right. from selling out though, from an ending comes a beginning. I'm like, okay, well, what do we want to do next? We're gonna make a hard cover. Um, the reason we started with a soft cover, it made sense. We had to test the waters and make sure that uh, collecting the art of GI Joe was something that people wanted. Um, we didn't wanna do four, it's about 400 to 500 hours of work per book. So if you think of that, you know, doing six books, it's well over a couple thousand hours worth of work. So we didn't wanna do bite all that off in one chunk. And each book costs about $10,000 to produce. And like I said, the slipcase was 17. So if you think of that, that's $77,000 that we would have had to raise out of the gate. There was no way. 
Um, so we did it bit by bit, and that's why we ended up with the soft cover uh, deliverable. So what we're doing now is an omnibus hardcover, and there's three ways that it's going to be improved. It's going to we've already actually done this work, me and Chad Huckle, who's helped me on a tremendous amount of Photoshop work ever since like volume two. Uh, we've already remastered. We've reshot every photo, rescanned every box, re-photoshopped everything to bring it up to a higher standard of restoration, basically through nicer photography technology using HDR, high definition um, photography that combines multiple exposures to get the optimal exposure across the card. Better focus on the figures, better exposure on the figures. The card art is pristine. Um, so we've already done that work. We're also adding unadorned artwork, much more unadorned artwork. This is from original paintings that I've been able to collect multiple original paintings. My friends at Joe Declassified have shared some, a uh, bunch of Kodachromes, which are the original transparencies, high resolution transparencies. So a ton of that stuff. And then expanded interviews with these guys that we've become good friends with, Kirk Bazigian, brand manager, Ron Rudat, figure designer, Ed Morrill, packaging manager from 1969 to 1989, Bob Prupis, vice president of Boys Toys, Doug Hart, internal painter at Hasbro that took over when Ed Morrill and Hector Garrido, uh, basically when their contract was basically eliminated in the late 80s, I'll get into that more later probably, um, they brought that work in house and Doug Hart was the primary painter from 1988-ish through to 1994. Bill Merkline was the sculptor that uh, his first figure was Rotello, or excuse me, not, not Rotello, that's a spoiler alert, his first figure <laughs> was Ricondo. His first figure was Ricondo. So he was hired in 1983 to do Ricondo, who came out in 84. And he worked on the brand up through figures that came out in 1990. So he eventually did around 70 figures is what me and uh, Peter Hubner have been able to nail down. So all these guys are friends of the website and were willing to contribute interviews and wanted their stories kind of uh, included. And some were already included, but we wanted much, much, much more context from these guys. But... So I'm gonna skip through, you know, remastered art. We already re-shot re and re-edited everything. This is a previous zap on the left and the updated zap on the right. You'll be able to see the, the, ch the primary changes you'll see are in the resolution, clarity, focus, exposure on the figure. And then the card art is actually cleaner too. What we've done here, which is insane, is we're taking the photo of zap and we're taking a scan of the card back of zap from an entirely different card back and combining those two source files to make the optimal restored image. Do you guys understand what I'm saying there? It's yep. it's it's a crazy process, but look at the results. Like the results on the right are so much crisper and cleaner. Um, so big shout out to Chad Huckle for helping me with a tremendous amount of that work. Unadorned artwork, these are a couple examples of the uh, Kodachromes that I was telling you about, the high resolution transparencies that they used to share and replicate. Uh, there's uh, an example of the collector's case that came out and you get a, a shot there, a close up of Snake Eyes, which shows you the resolution that's available from these high resolution transparencies. Uh, the Tyco train art and the Tyco trucking art, I actually had a guy that used to work at Tyco that reached out to me, um, had found these paintings and then searched for the train set and found the documentation we'd done on 3D Joe's and was so happy with it. He was like, look, man, you seem like the the guy that like seems to care about this stuff. He was like, what would you do with these paintings? I was like, well, if you want to sell them to the community, I'll help you do that. You know, we can put it up on the 3D Joe's Facebook page, no charge, no fees. But if you also just want to sell it straight out, I'll buy it from you personally. And so he was like, sure, man, I'm happy to do that. You obviously care about this stuff. And, and so I just purchased these paintings personally and they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're huge. They're huge paintings. I think they're over three feet by I'd say two, two and a half feet. Um, they're, they're amazing. They're beautiful, large paintings, super saturated, really colorful. 
Uh, I actually tracked down who one of the illustrators was. There's a signature on the train track in the back left corner. Uh, it's an artist pseudonym called Bart Doe. Spoiler alert, I'm gonna put artist uh, little breakout profiles on each painter that I've identified that's worked on the brand for the Omnibus. And that was not a part of the soft cover series. So that's another way that we're gonna try to improve and just add more information. Then you got stuff like this that people have never seen. Like I guarantee 99.9% .9 of GI Joe fans have not seen this unadorned and uncropped artwork that was created for the 1990 Walmart file cards. Um, yeah, are you guys familiar with that file card set that they made to basically butter up the Walmart executives? Mm -hmm. Yep. We are, but go ahead again, give the two sentence synopsis for the folks watching. So this is a very rare trading card set that was created and distributed only through Walmart. The only way that you could get this was grab it off the wall in the break room in Walmart, basically. So they printed hundreds or maybe even thousands of these sets, but they literally only got distributed through Walmart, through employees. You could not buy this. This was not retail. And all that you saw on those file cards in terms of this artwork was the little cropped file card box, like every other G.I. Joe file card. It didn't show you the full art. It just showed you a little close-up of it. So it turns out that they created full-size paintings that nobody ever got to saw. It, it, nobody ever got to see these. It wasn't like it was a full card back with a bubbled figure attached to it that you could purchase at retail, right? So this is like one of those pre-production artifacts that's just like super rare and kind of amazing to see all these years later. Um, this is this is two of the six, obviously, and then there's a third one that I've sourced out in California, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to secure that before we go to print the hardcover. But it's that kind of like pre-production and unadorned art stuff that I'm working very hard to secure uh, to make sure that this book is as interesting as possible to show you guys stuff that hopefully you've never seen before. This is another example of an underwater set that was uh, created and tr you know, they tried to sell it as a store exclusive, sim similar to the Dino Hunters. Um, I believe that this was created around 1992 to 1993. My rationale for that is if you look at Shipwreck at the top, it's similar to the 1994 Shipwreck design, but not quite. They obviously kept refining that figure. And then he was released as a single carded figure in 1994. And if you look at Deep Six that's underwater there, they ended up releasing that exact color deco as a mail order figure in 1993. And then the dolphin came from the Eco Warriors Deep Six that was, I believe, 1992. So I think this was a concept they came up with around 1992, maybe 1993. And they ended up not selling it, not selling it, not making it for whatever reason. And so they just took the Deep Six that they already had in the works, made him a mail order figure, took Shipwreck, kept working on him and made him a carded figure in 94. So there's a lot of kind of unadorned artwork for things that you guys, uh, hopefully that you guys haven't seen. Uh, this is another example. This is 1995 Duke, who was going to have the forest, you know, kind of jungle fatigue uh, colors. And this would have been the same mold that was created for the 1992 or 1993 Duke that was more desert BDUs. Um, so yep. the, I believe he was going to be the driver of the sea lion, which is the recolored killer whale that we have all seen the box art for. Anyway, so just examples of unadorned artwork that show off things that hopefully people haven't seen before and we'll have you know stories to go along with those. Uh, so the other thing was new interviews. Um, obviously, like I said, over the years, I've formed many, many friendships with the creators of this stuff and I just wanna work more of their stories into this. And sit down interviews are boring though. So I was really wondering like, what can we do different that's more experiential? So I had the big idea. Here's the big idea, Mike. You asked for this probably seven minutes ago. If you had to give me a two sentence synopsis, what the heck are you doing? I'm finally to that point, Mike. All right. <laughs> so, so the big idea was, what if I got the old band back together 
and we made one more figure. So Operation Recall is calling back to active duty all of the retired creators of G.I. Joe, a real American hero, to make one more G.I. Joe. So that's the, that's the elevator pitch if I had to give it. So one section of the upcoming hardcover will document the creation of an all-new figure from concept sketches to presentation art, final package art. We've even sculpted the figure and the accessories. Uh, it's been an amazing process, and we filmed it all. We've literally filmed over 30 hours worth of footage for this thing. I've been running around ever since I got vaccinated. We had these interviews planned February, March of, of last year, and then COVID hit. We were going to be shooting this in April of last year. And obviously, you know, these gentlemen, we, we all wanted to be cautious, right? And so right. as soon as the vaccine was worked out, and as soon as I was vaccinated, and as soon as they all felt safe hanging out with me, we hit the ground running. Um, we actually started before then. Um, Ron Rudat's son, Tristan, is also a videographer. I mailed him my gear, audio gear, video gear, and gave him questions and had him shoot Ron's part of the process because Ron comes first. Uh, Ron Rudat is the figure designer. He was the primary figure designer for G.I. Joe from 1982 through 1986. And he also designed vehicles and decals and books. And the Cobra logo, like this guy's freaking huge. Everybody knows Ron at this point. The thing about this project is it's going to introduce you to people that hopefully you don't know and people that you should know, you know? So that's, that's one of the exciting parts of the documentary premise of this is that you'll get to hang out with those people. You'll get to hear their voices. You'll get to see their faces. You'll get to watch them in action. And a lot of these people, unfortunately, still aren't widely known by the community. And this project kind of seeks to rectify, in my mind, that issue. Um, so Ron Rudat, figure designer, here's him in his office. There he is with a black and white uh, piece of line art working on my figure design. And here he is with the final presentation art, putting the color in on it. Um, Kirk Bazigian, everybody knows Kirk Bazigian. He is the, the, probably the single most impactful person on G.I. Joe, a real American hero. He worked on the brand from you know getting it up and running and reborn in 1982 uh, all the way through 1994. You know, he took off and did Hasbro Direct and Hasbro Baby and some other, some, some other stuff, Play School Baby and worked on some other brands, but you know, from 1982 to 1986, maybe 1989 to 1994, hugely impactful on the brand. So Kirk Bazigian would work with Ron Rudat in the early years, you know, so everybody you guys know, Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, Duke, Scarlet, Baroness, all those popular characters that they're still making movies about to this day. Ron and Kirk were the primary people responsible for those. And they're the primary people that we've documented creating this one additional figure. So here's, <laughs> here's what Kirk did to Ron's original artwork. This is the kind of markup. And Kirk still got it to this day. And I was really curious to see, like, what's the dynamic going to be between Kirk and Ron all these years later, right? Um, and they were great. They were totally collegial. And Kirk was not, you know, just like a – Kirk isn't just a supervisor type guy. He is an idea guy. It was amazing to see the wheels turning in his head and see the ideas that he came up with. And he absolutely made this, this concept so much better from like really practical stuff. Like see how he's got a flare gun in his left hand. Mm -hmm. See how he didn't have a holster on his left thigh, right? Like it's simple details. Okay. So where does that flare gun go when you put it away? So add a holster, that type of stuff, but then also like buying into the concept of the character and making the concept better. So the concept of the character, um, is basically, spoiler alert, this is something that I pitched to Hasbro in 1989, and I still have the original letter where I pitched it. And I actually have the uh, Hasbro rejection letter where they very nicely rejected the 
the pitch. How old um, were you in 1989, Carson? I, I was 10 years old, man. I was 10 years old. I, I don't think – let me skip through here really quick. I don't I think I even included that in the slide deck. That, that stuff's not even in the slide deck. And this is the kind of thing, like, when you're, when you're dealing with a crowd and you're getting feedback from them and you can see what they respond to, I, I totally, like, took a left and decided to go ahead and share with them the uh, what I showed in 1989. Do you guys want to see it? Sure. Yeah. I never, Carson, I've never seen a rejection letter from Hasbro. Well, you're about to see one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just really glad that, that I that I kept this. You know what I mean? It was, it was pretty crazy. Of course, I never thought 30 years later I'd be like running an archive dedicated to GI Joe and that this uh, this pitch from 1989 would lead to a documentary project where I'm getting to work with all the original creators to actually bring this idea to life. That is a crazy story. And like, I never would have thought that that's where my life would lead me. And it just has, like, I've just, I keep putting passion into this and it keeps opening doors for me. Basically is like the short story of it. Um, so anyway, dear president of GI Joe, hi, my name is Carson. <laughs> so it's 10 year old me asking them to please make this guy. He's, he's a radio teletype operator. He comes with a carrier pigeon. Uh, his code name is Rotello because he's radio teletype operator. And carrier, his carrier pigeon is CP, whatever. It's not not special. I'm 10 years old. Give me a break. But uh, he's a special forces because my- We're holding you to it, man. We're holding yeah. you to every bit of it. It stayed pretty consistent, though. Like his specialty is special forces. And you'll see some stuff later that indicates that he's still special forces. The birthplace is Fort Riley, Kansas, where I was born. Uh, and then I wrote the file card. And of course I did all the designs and I showed Hasbro where they could reuse Flint's arms and they could use Beachhead's crotch and Hawk's legs. What is 10 year old you? Wait a minute. This is 10 year old me. Beachhead's crotch? Yeah, but I didn't want to say crotch like as a 10 year old. I thought that was off color. So I actually drew the crotch right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying Beachhead yeah. is kind of famous for one thing, right? Oh, is he famous for his crotch? Yeah, it breaks all the time. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Okay. But yeah, so, you know, I spelled out the other pieces that they would need to make that would need to be unique. I even like drew out the little inside pieces. You see that? Like the O-ring and the T-hook and the screws and stuff. I was a crazy 10-year-old. This, this like, this psychosis started really early. So <laughs> um, anyway, so he's a satellite communications officer, SATCOM whatever that means. But here's the nice rejection letter. It was, it started very nice. You know, we're most flattered to receive your letter. Uh, and then they only had a little bit of legalese at the end. We have neither returned or we have neither copied nor reviewed your materials basically. So if they come out with something similar, I can't say, Oh, they stole my idea. So anyway, I got that rejection letter from them. I did end up like a couple years later making a steel brigade called Rotello. So he kind of got made, but not really. So anyway, that's the 1989 childhood Carson uh, connection. So I ended up showing that in the panel, and uh, that was a lot of fun. I think people enjoyed that part of it. So Kirk again marked up the concept, and that's just behind the scenes, me filming with Kirk. So Ed Morrill, a lot of people don't know Ed, and he had a hugely influential relationship with Hasbro. He was brought in in 1969 to help relaunch or rebrand G.I. Joe as Adventure Team in 1970 for Toy Fair. And that was the start of a handshake relationship with Stephen Hassenfeld that lasted 20 years from 1969 to 1989. His production packaging agency worked with Hasbro exclusively on toys. They did all other kinds of consumer packaged goods, but they only worked on toys for Hasbro. And that was because of a handshake deal with Stephen Hassenfeld. They did Transformers packaging. 
Visionaries, and of course, G.I. Joe. He hired Don Stivers in the 70s and managed him on all the packages. He hired Hector Garrido in 1982-81 and managed Hector Garrido throughout the 80s for all the packaged artwork that's still getting mileage to this day. Um, so Ed Morrill is a guy to know. He's a guy that we should know um, and that we should celebrate. So anyway, I spent, I've, I've known Ed for several years now. He's come down to North Carolina. I took him to his first Duke game at Cameron Indoor. We're good friends. He came to my wedding. You know, um, we've had a really good relationship over the last several years. He's a super smart guy. And again, like I just respect the heck out of all these guys that helped make this timeless brand that so, was so influential in our childhood that we still celebrate it to this day. Uh, so he helped with the 1982 relaunch, the the generation of an entirely new kind of brand and logo, black backgrounds, explosions, uh, characters popping off the explosions, you know, 2D tilted flat G.I. Joe logo, 3D 1986 extruded logo, digital background explosions. All that stuff came from his production company working in partnership with Hasbro's internal packaging folks. Matt Lysak is the name that comes up the most in terms of leadership there. So Ed Morrill, we got four hours worth of interviews with him. He did the packaging sketches for the layout for this character. Um, he did four, we've got footage of him for like an hour talking through the four different sketches he did and what his thought process was and why he did things a certain way. And what most people don't know is that he created these thumbnail sketches for Hector Garrido, for Hector to execute on. He kept them really loose so that Hector could have a lot of say in how the details came together but he wanted to make sure that each package on the shelf had a really unique appearance and wasn't gonna be confused with another figure that was on the shelf. And he wanted to accentuate like the best accessory or the, you know, the best feature of that character. So he really molded over our character and gave it a lot of thought and I'm excited to share that kind of stuff. Um, so Doug Hart was the packaging illustrator again that I mentioned earlier that uh, took over for when they brought it back in house internally in Hasbro, Doug Hart was the man to take it over. And again, he really made the brand his own by the early 90s. You'll see it shift away from Doug Hart kind of emulating what Hector Garrido was doing and evolving the style into something entirely his own where he was using a lot more of photo reference and creating much more photorealistic portraiture on the faces. So a lot of much more believable kind of expressions and faces. Like when you see Sonic Fighter's Law, you see Kirk Bazigian's face because he shot photos of Kirk Bazigian and he painted it how he saw it, right? So yeah. Doug... Doug Hart made this brand his own. He wasn't, he was no longer kind of walking in Hector's shadow. He was definitely doing his own work and it, and it was exemplary in and of itself. So that's Doug Hart and he's created the all new package painting for this figure. Uh, there's some photo reference. I have some photos that I can show you guys from some photos from the panel. Um, and so then we'll move on. Bill Merkline was the sculptor that I introduced. He started with, again with Ricondo. He's also famous for sculpting holograms back in the 80s. I don't know if you guys know this. When holograms came out, they had to be sculpted at a one-to-one -one scale. Did anybody know that? No, go ahead. All right, Has that, have you guys had a Visa card in your wallet at any time that had a dove on it? Yes. The hologram dove, so he sculpted the Visa hologram. It's crazy, okay. like at a one-to-one -one scale, that tiny little dove, he sculpted that thing. Um, there was a... National Geographic magazine that like unveiled holograms to the world. And of course they did a bald eagle on there. He's the one that sculpted the bald eagle for National Geographic. Like he was, he's a very, very renowned hologram miniature sculptor who also broke into toys and did everything from GI Joe, to cops, Mr. T dungeons and dragons, all the holograms on visionaries. He did all those and he sculpted 70 GI Joes. So he's an amazing guy. I spent two weeks with him, 14 days, 
basically, you know, living in the guest bedroom, eating, eating dinner with him every night, sculpting during the day, listening to these amazing stories. He's super smart, super intellectual. He's into guns and airplanes and military history and movies. And we talked about it for two weeks and it never got boring. Like, I want to move in with Bill. He's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go be his roommate, you know. Um, actually, he's already got a roommate, and I, I don't think she wants me there. <laughs> we got we got along, but I'm sure she was happy that I was leaving after 14 days. Right. So uh, there's there's Bill. He's sculpting away, and uh, we had that blue figure at the beginning. That's called a buck. That's like a, a skeleton, an armature, and that's what they the sculptors would start from. And that made sure that all the proportions were consistent from GI Joe to GI Joe. And they also had to make sure that once they put all this, he uses plumber epoxy. Other guys might use different materials, but his uh, materials of choice is like a plumber seal epoxy. After he put the plumber seal epoxy on there, he had to guarantee that all the joints would still work properly, that nothing was blocked. And so that's what the buck is there for. And then Larry Hama has agreed to write the dossier. So Larry Hama, obviously he wrote all the comic books. He wrote all the file cards. He is the, the generator of all the ideas and characters and concepts that turn these little plastic figures into people that we still care about. So I'm so very happy that Larry Hama is going to be writing the bio for this guy. And I'm also curious if he's going to change the name, um, you know, from Rotello, which is a kind of, it, it's okay. It is what it is. I kind of hope he changes the name. We'll see. 32 years in the waiting. I can wait a little longer. Um, Okay, so this was the speed round of the creative process. Anybody that doesn't want to see this, that wants to like hold out for the book and just like read it as a chapter, I want you to like leave for 10 minutes and come back and catch the rest of the show, all right? So speed round, creative process. Here's the sketches that Ron Rudak created, a couple different options. Here's the backpack options that he created and the carrier pigeon options. Everything from a regular bird to a bird with armor to like a full drone that kind of looks like a bird. All kinds of ideas. This is Kirk Bazigian's markup that he did on that. We actually recorded this whole session. It was like 45 minutes of watching Kirk Bazigian's wheels turn. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. I was on a, a Zoom meeting with him for that because we were keeping this, uh, this part of the project moving during COVID. So this is the final line art on the left. The 360 turnarounds, like an engineering drawing on the top right. And then accessory engineering drawings on the bottom right. I actually ended up taking those accessory drawings and working with a 3D designer and creating actual 3D printed accessories. So I can show those later. Here's Ron Rudat's color studies. He did six of them. Of course, of course, Kurt didn't just pick one. <laughs> he, he had more feedback and he created, so Ron created a seventh color study and it's awesome. So there's the final presentation artwork. This would have been showed through to management to get approval to move on to engineering the figure. And here is the 3D printed accessories. The drone attaches to the backpack via a peg. And the bird, obviously, like his little claws clasp on to the little T-bar at the top. The helmet fits. The gun has a removable suppressor. And it also has removable mags, which tuck into the backpack. So it's freaking awesome. Once I had the accessories all measured out, I created a template for Ed Morrill to know how much card space he had to work with. And then he created the four sketches. So there's the four sketches. And then Doug Hart got to work on the painting. And so first he starts with line art. And then he starts really fleshing it out. And there's the final painting. And there's Doug's dog. <laughs> so uh, here's the sculpture. It's, it's time to move on to this armature. There's the book. 
And this is kind of, you can see preliminary sculpting on the left where he just starts to work through the clothing and get the masses in there. And then you can see where he starts to add, you know, straps and bandoliers and grenades and that kind of thing on the right. And he used another material called A plus B. It's also an epoxy, uh, just so he get a little color variation there. And it kind of helps him, you know, as he's adding the accessories to just keep some clarity on that. But uh, there's the final sculpt. It's actually not final. <laughs> Bill Merkline wants me to come back up and let him tweak it a little bit more, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. So I'm going back up to see Bill. It's close to final. It's really really close to final. And um, you're not moving in with him, right? No, I'm not moving in with him. Amy does not want that. <laughs> but the, but their dog they have a they have a young dog named Puck, and Puck is like absolutely in love with me. So I have heard that Puck misses me, and they do want me to come visit. So <laughs> I did not I did not wear out my welcome. Um, but anyway, it was, it was really cool. I was there for 14 days and by the end of it, Bill actually had me sculpting. So if you look at like the three smoke grenades over on, on the right side, um, he let me sculpt those and I also got to sculpt the knee pads. So that's pretty cool, man. It was an amazing experience hanging out with him and watching his process, learning what he does. And actually I sculpted a couple other things that we threw away because they were terrible. <laughs> Try not to make the place smell so much like nerd the next time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a good look at the painting. There's the final figure. I think, yeah, this is a video. So I think I'll move the lighting around here so you can get a good feel of the depth of the face. The face on this guy is incredible. And of course, I made him bald because, you know, a lot of special ops guys are balded, beard, bearded, bald guys. So I wanted to represent that segment of society that I see in Southern Pines, North Carolina all the time. Mm -hmm. Carson, is the face based on a real person? So I took I took photos of myself because you know I work by myself. <laughs> I would have taken photos of somebody else, I promise. But uh, but Doug Hart did want some photo references, and so I grabbed my uh, my Keltec rifle and went out in front of my garage and set up my cannon on a timer and did a bunch of did a bunch of photos. I don't know if they're in this deck or not. I don't think they are. Um. Okay, but there's a final look at the final sculpted figure, like with the helmet on. And you can see what the accessories look like on Little Duke there. And you can see the letter that started it all on the right. So I think this is probably like my key image where I show the whole process from like the start to finish. Um, so what's next? We're going to we're gonna edit a documentary. I've got 30 hours of footage. This is what I do for a living is video and animation. So I'm gonna edit this. Uh, it's either gonna be you know, a feature length film, you know, something like 90 minutes that shows the entire process, or it could be an, a more episodic thing where we visit one person per show and do one step of the process per show. Not really sure um, how that will play out. A lot of those decisions get made in editorial, and it might also be shaped by whoever wants to help me distribute this documentary, right? Depending on what their needs are. So I'm going to make a documentary. What about the figure? Uh, the figure, it's, it's freaking incredible. I would absolutely love for this figure to be manufactured. I want to own this figure. I want my family to be able to buy this figure. I want my friends to be able to buy this figure. And any of you guys that are listening that think it's a cool idea and want to own this figure, I want you to be able to buy it. And I don't want it to be some like crazy expensive custom. So I've signed an NDA with a group of guys that are bringing out their own toy line and it's very much in this vein. And so if they can help uh, bring that to fruition, then I'm more than happy uh, to partner with them to do that. So hopefully more to come about that in the future. Um, but what if Operation Recall did not stop here? What if we expanded it and created up to 20 new figures designed by Ron Rudat, designed by Mark Pennington, illustrated by Doug Hart, 
maybe sculpted by Bill Merkline. He's 75, and I, I don't know if I want to try to do that to him. <laughs> he would probably say yes, but two weeks per figure, it's a lot, right? So I, I have to figure out the sculpting thing. But there's a what if out there. Um, and at the panel, I basically asked the panel, what do you guys think? Is that something you'd be interested in? Is that a Kickstarter you'd want to back? Like, what are your feelings on that? So I'll throw it to you guys. What, what do you guys feel about it? Go ahead, Mark Weber. I mean, I'm, you know, my Joe collection is pretty much just Hasbro stuff, right? Not that the 3D printer guys don't do great work and not that there isn't outstanding stuff being done out there, which has been really valuable to the community when uh, when Hasbro wasn't making any Joe stuff, right? Like collectors are going to collect. So they've gotten the next best thing. And in some cases, superior product, right? Some of the stuff that Marauders put out and some other guys out there. But this is authentic Hasbro. It doesn't need the logo on it to be part of G.I. Joe. So I'd be all over this. And I well, really have... I haven't supported much that's outside simply because that's part of what I like about collecting. Everyone defines their own collection. Yeah. But this, this belongs. This is I'll absolutely in my wheelhouse. I'll say this right now. If anybody from Hasbro with any power over making these kinds of decisions is listening to this and thinks this is a cool project and thinks that connecting with the old creators is a worthwhile endeavor that Hasbro should put their stamp of approval on and make an actual retro line, a retro reborn, a retro recall, a retro whatever you want to call it, we're all good with that. Let's make it happen. If Hasbro wants this to happen, it could be official. Right. I, I, I do video and animation for a living. This isn't about a hustle and making money. This is about having fun. This is about getting the old creators back and letting them do what they're still good at. There's no reason that they can't do this to this day. Look at the results of what we have put together in the last year. It's incredible. I hold that little O-ring figure. I can't wait to see him shrunk down and painted, have a paint master. It's going to it's gonna hold up to what happened in a real American hero. Guaranteed. It's going to be better than some of those figures, candidly. Right? So if we could do that again, like I was literally just interviewing Mark Pennington in South Carolina three months ago. And you know what he said to me? I regret 1989 version three snake eyes. I want another chance to do it better. That's what he said. He, he's not happy with that figure. He loves version two storm shadow. Doesn't like version three snake eyes. Right. And so Ron and Mark had already been talking about trying to get together and do a project where they design more figures. I'm like, we're already doing a test of that with Ritello with Ron and Doug and Bill and everybody else. I was, Let's do it. I think the community will support it. And if Hasbro wants to support it, Hasbro official, mm -hmm. let's make it happen. But, um, I, I, but sideways to my point, I think that's great. And if they got involved, that's even better. But yeah. you don't you don't need them. No. Right. But if not, if they all. don't want to do it, the only yeah. thing that we sacrifice, this is the one caveat. The only thing we sacrifice, if Hasbro doesn't want anything to do with it, that's fine. It's their IP. It's their property. They make the decisions. That's cool. Um, but if they don't want anything to do it, then, yes, it's not G.I. Joe. There are no G.I. Joe logos. I wouldn't use the new logo anyway, and we certainly couldn't use the old 2D logo or uh, 3D 1986 extruded logo. The other sacrifice is the bad guys can't be Cobra, and you can't use Cobra you know, symbols and that kind of thing. But we would design bad guys that would fit with that era of toys. So if you're sure. playing with those toys and, and these toys, they're, it's going to feel cohesive. You know what I mean? It's not going to feel like out of left field. So what do you think, Joe? What do you think, Mike? Is, I would buy every single one of them. Like I was like watching, like oh my god, like <laughs> just like 
I wish I'd seen it live, but yeah, this is great. Like she wants like, to see how you, she wants to see your take on the Red Ninja. Okay. <laughs> No. I mean, I, I will say this. I want to do all new characters, and this is yeah. an angle that I haven't uh, pitched to you guys yet. The experience that I just had of taking 10-year-old Carson's idea and actually getting it carried through with all these guys, first first thing I want to say is Ron Rudat had the option to create an entirely different character. If he didn't like the radio type operator I got idea with a carrier pigeon, if he didn't like that, I totally told him we could do something different. You really don't have to do this. But when he came back to me with sketches of Rotello, I was like, yes! Like the idea that like 10-year-old me is like, I'm living my dream, Ron, Ron Rudat's doing it. I want however many figures we can get funded, I want the crystal of an idea that turns in to the next however many figures, I want those to come from the fans. I want it to be people like me that submitted stuff back in the day. You back the Kickstarter, you throw the money behind this, send us in your ideas, send us in your letters. Mark, you know, Mark Pennington, Ron Rudak, Kirk Bazigian, all get in a room and hammer it out and decide which ones are they doing and which ones are they not. And the lucky people that win get to have the experience that I just had over the last year and a half of watching this thing come to life. So I think that's a really cool angle for it. it you know, it's amazing I'm, watching them like they've not missed a beat in their talents like yeah. kirk's notes and like attention to detail and ron's ability to to character develop and mm -hmm. and and like just the sculpting itself like just even the facial expressions i'm like oh my god this is like freaking out like quietly trying not to freak out publicly but i'm like oh my god <laughs> We have a rare opportunity. These guys are in their, you know, late 60s to seven, mid 70s kind of thing. We have a rare opportunity here to take these people back to lightning in a bottle that they captured the 80s and 90s and let them relive that. It's fun for them, too. When we got done with Rotello, bar none, they all said they didn't want it to end there. This isn't just coming from me. This isn't just me, like, pushing some idea on people. They had a fun time with it, and they want to do more of it. And so that's what got me thinking about, damn, can we really do this? We might really be able to do this. And so I've been talking to people that know people with a factory, that know project managers in China that are creating their own toy line that, holy sh we can do this. Like, it's crazy. It's becoming real for me. And it's very, very exciting. I mean, you know, I'm in Carson. There's a whole, there's a public record of the last 10, 11 years of me waving drums over my head. <laughs> support for stuff like this so you know yeah. i know you are brother totally. I appreciate it. here's a good question uh if hasbro said they would do the figure but as a modern sculpt would you still approve i mean yeah it would still be a dream come true for me i'm, I'm not going to be like well no it has to be o-ring um i would my only little asterisk next to that is like i at least get to make custom o-ring versions or whatever like I, i'm not going to not have an o-ring version of this guy in some form um but that said, I think there's more potential in doing vintage style stuff with the vintage designers that did it back in the day. I think it makes more sense to do retro recalled, right? You're bringing, you're recalling the old troops to create some retro figures. We're not doing modern figures with vintage package art and calling it retro. That's, and I'm not taking a dig at anybody. Everybody knows when we were supposed to be getting a retro line and got more, yeah. more modern figures re-released it's like oh great they're using the actual Garrido artwork that's awesome but they're using modern sculpts that's not retro. imaginations ran wild and it was 
Yeah. It, it, it's not that it's bad work, even. I mean, you're no, talking. No, the figures are fine. Yeah, speaking as somebody who has the vehicles from that line, and and you know, I'll, I'll probably wind up investing in in Stalker from from the the carded figures. Um, it just it does feel a little hollow. Yeah, it's just you know, Mark, you guys released that Snake Eyes. What year was it? Twenty fifteen. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Right. right. So and we and it was a re-release then, right? Yeah. So yeah. So. Because it's a great figure, but it is amazing. It's an awesome figure. But when the expectations are the hopes, the wishful thinking of the community was, oh, we're getting retro. Oh, it's right. they're going back to O-ring. Oh no, they're not. Oh, yeah. they're doing. The, they're the, just re-releasing Snake Eyes from 2015. Yeah, you it's know, like a like a classic rock station saying, "Here's Imagine Dragons," and you're like, "Was that <laughs> really that long ago?" So, yeah. Hey, one yeah. of the things I think is really cool about this, almost every step of the process as it's done now mm -hmm. is done digitally, right? Right, right. But, but everything I saw, and I think everything yep. is, is pen and paper or paint it's, and canvas, right? You know, I'm glad you, I actually already had my, uh, my personal kind of hidden behind the scenes uh, development page pulled up because I do want to correct one little piece of that. Um, one second. So I mentioned when I got the accessory illustrations back from Ron Rudat that I thought the like a valuable next step would be to work with a 3D developer to turn those into more solid, kind of more detailed, like ready to print accessories. Are you guys seeing the web page right here? Step nine. I am. Hang on. There we go. There yeah. We go. All right. So shout out to Adam Freeman. Uh, this is a freelance 3D modeler. I believe he's already doing work with Hasbro. Um, so this is the original backpack design by Adam Freeman. Hopefully this model will load correctly. I'm in a hotel with terrible Wi-Fi and I'm already streaming video, so we'll see how it goes. But anyway, um, I've done the research to where these are based off of real military tools that are relevant to this day. So a tactical cyber equipment, CMOS, which is a modular open suite of standards, chassis, that's a real backpack concept. Of course, it doesn't look like what's pictured here. This looks like what Ron Rudat designed it to look like. Um, anyway, so there's some straps. There's like the little pouch. I worked with Adam to to create these 3D designs. And then, of course, uh, <laughs> 3D designers are more focused on aesthetics and less focused on engineering and printing viability. So I ended up working with a 3D printer, Mike Seifert, or Seifert, uh, who did the engineering aspect of it and helped turn these 3D designs into 3D printable, uh, engineerable um, models. So here's the bird. This is one of my favorite parts. He's got a little helmet. Oh, <laughs> he could take at least a 22 to the head, and he'd still be all right. Uh, he's got he's got a flak vest on the front here, <laughs> and then on the back he's got like Rob Liefeld pouches everywhere. I love it. Feature so, so part out, Polly. He's carrying the hell out of some messages, man. Like he's he's really ready to roll. And then he's got the traditional World War II, World War One uh, aluminum canister that they would wear on their legs. So right. believe it or not, believe it or not, before I kick this over to Larry, there's the tactical helmet with the microphone. Here's the Sig Sauer with the removable suppressor and clips. Um, here's the printed accessories that Mike Seifert put together. And yeah, I can, actually, I'll click through those so you guys can see a little bit more of these accessories. There's it from the back with the drone attached. There's the drone flying behind him. Does not actually fly, requires handheld poses. Um, there's a couple mags that, that go in this little pouch right here. The straps come off. 
which this is a very unique accessory. I don't think I saw this on any Real American Hero figures. So we were trying to do some unique stuff, but like that would still fit, you know, in the wheelhouse. And there's the extra mags tucked into the pouch. It'll actually hold three. There's the bird. So yeah, there's the gun with the removable suppressor and the folding stock. I don't know if I mentioned the folding stock yet. Oh. So we had a ton of fun putting this stuff together. Um, yeah, there's the layout sketches. So I think that's all I wanted to show. But Mark, to your point, um, all of this stuff was analog with the exception of the 3D printed accessories. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's a dying art form. When people are doing ideation for characters, they're sketching on an iPad or they're sketching on a Wacom Cintiq. You know, when I put the Hascon in 2017, all the designers there had the giant desktop Cintiq and were just going to town on it. And they're amazing digital artists. And the, the sculptors are working in ZBrush and whatever other applications they're working on. So they're not creating you know, armatures with plumber seal, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they're not, they're not doing paintings with gouache and acrylics. They're, they're just not putting pencil to paper like they used to. And so part of this documentary that's very important to me is preserving a, I hope not dying, but certainly a contracted art form mm -hmm. that not a lot of people are practicing anymore. And the fact that like we recorded Bill Merkline and I recorded for 14 days, I've got probably 20 hours of start to finish sculpting with Bill Merkline that's going to hopefully help teach another generation of sculptors mm -hmm. to do this the old way. And there's a reason to do it the old way. I noticed this when he was sculpting on that butt, <laughs> when he was doing the pockets on the back, he did one, he did one little pocket and then he did the other little pocket. And you know what? They didn't look exactly the same because there's humanity there. There's human error. There's, there's just adjustments that get made. There's like this, there's life in it. And if you would have done that in the computer, it would have been perfect. And then you would have copied that one, copied that right cheek and pasted it on that left cheek. And that it would have been too symmetrical. It would have been too perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the idea that, you know, the humanity is lost. Some of the humanity is lost when you get into the digital version of the art form. And I say that jokingly, left cheek, right cheek, but I mean it like the sentiment of it. I mean it 100%. Mm -hmm. When you there, do things- there's a, there's a realism to not having everything completely symmetrical. Yeah. Like, he could have walked or changed his pocket or had something in it, like just using your pocket example, but yes. I agree. <laughs> my iPhone has worn out my left pocket in every pair of jeans I wear. <laughs> you know, I guarantee that pocket's a little more stretched and it has a little wear angle on the corner of the iPhone. You know what I mean? So that the humanity is lost when you do digital. And I'm not saying that to hate on anybody that just works digitally. I understand the benefits of it too, in terms of layers and revisions. And yeah, there's, there's a lots of reasons to go digital too. But Mark, to your point, this is preserving that analog process through documentary film. I think, so. it's, I think it's outstanding. I and, rather than just say something along the lines of working on the details of the pants, it's like when he's working on that butt. Right? When he's on that right cheek, you know, and he's going to town. <laughs> Come on, I try to bring humor to this stuff. <laughs> I don't want to be preachy, but, you know, it's true, man. The analog stuff is a dying art form. And if we can do something to not only preserve it, like through documentary, but also give these guys a chance to shine and make more figures, you know. And I know we're, we're not going to get this chance again. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. Just my favorite thing that I didn't know that I missed in the presentation that I saw here is that the pigeon's claws are exaggerated, right? He's got oh, yeah. big feet. They're gargantuan. Because a hundred years from now, you don't want people going, oh man, does anybody have the carrier pigeon without broken feet? 
Right? <laughs> it was definitely a revision that we made. Man, we went through several revision cycles on the pigeon. And that all happened with me and Adam and Mike. You know, Mike was like, this shit will never print. You know, so he, he started making some revisions on it. And I think we went back to Adam, but I'm not sure. We definitely ended up combining the two feet. Originally, it was two separate feet. And it was like, those peg legs are never going to work. So we yeah. ended up combining the feet and then making them larger. But uh, spoiler alert, one of the revisions that Bill Merkline wants to do even though this isn't even a figure revision, he's got some figure revisions he wants to do. It's the same guy that sculpted the Visa Dove. He wants to sculpt the carrier pigeon. He doesn't think that the carrier pigeon that Adam did is as lifelike as it could be. So Adam, I love you. I think your pigeon was amazing, but if Bill does something better, then right. we, might, just, we, might, we might have to go with Bill Merkline's pigeon. We're gonna see. Just keep those big feet, baby. Yeah, big yeah, yeah. That pigeon, absolutely. So. That's pretty much it. That's the whole pitch, man. That was the panel. I think it felt pretty good just to giving it oh, to yeah. – it's so different when you have a live audience and people – you can read people's faces. Like when I was showing the slides, I couldn't read y'all's faces, so it's impossible to kind of tailor it. I think they were – honestly, I think they were stunned, right? Thanks. Like in, in a very good way, just like yeah. the brains couldn't quite process what they were seeing. It was, it was, I mean, a, it was a resoundingly positive room, absolutely. I, I certainly felt that way, man. I, you know, I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this for a year and a half, two years. And Joe Fest was just like this big release where I can finally just show and tell all this good stuff. And it, it's made me through, you know, very last year was tough, man. And a lot of people had a tough time. And I, I've told people multiple on multiple occasions that this project was like one of those rays of sunshine that made it all better or made it all doable, you know, just get through it. And that, and so finally, you know, getting vaccinated and having the opportunity to go meet with all these guys and see it come through to fruition in totality. Incredible. It's a little bit of a, of a sliver and, and very similar, actually, uh, to what it's like to be giving the Hasbro panel. Right. Because yeah. you've worked on something for a year and a half and now you're debuting it to an appreciative audience, yeah. but but not a cakewalk. Right. If they don't right. like it, they'll let you know. And right. So, finally be able to pull that curtain back and have a discerning crowd be fully behind it was my favorite part of the process at Hasbro. And I'm glad you got to experience that same thing at Joe Fest last weekend. It, I mean, it's crazy because I'm just like a hobbyist with an archive, you know what I mean? And you're, you're the real deal that actually worked on the brand for Hasbro. And wow. so for me, yeah, but for me yeah. to get a taste of that, like as an archivist, that's crazy. Like the, right. the, the fact that I've been able to do all this and that everybody has said yes, like every step of the way and bought into like the vision of it and had fun with it. It's man, I just feel really, really lucky. But I, I, I said this online and I meant every bit of it is that no one has been doing more for this hobby than you over the last seven, eight years. So well, there's there so many people. Salute. There are, there are so many people that do so many great things. So I, I Thank you, because I've certainly give, given countless hours um, to the archive and to documenting and that kind of thing. It's, it's also hard to hear that because I know how many other people are doing so much great stuff, too, from customizers to costumers to, to Jody Classified, people like historians, archivists, selfish, selfless people that are sharing for the passion of it and the love of it and not the monetization of it. You know, people, Chris okay. Murray, podcasters, of course, 
present company, of course, included mm -hmm. <laughs> the uh, the selfless nature of it, man, of all the creatives that are creating this stuff. It's I, Chris Murray, for example, Joe yes. Declassified and 3D Joe's kind of handshake deal a couple months ago. Like we're going to team up. We're going to make 3D Joe's bigger and better than it's ever been. Chris Murray spent a month with me working on one page for Guy Cassidy, you know, and the whole community benefits from that. If you go look at that Guy Cassidy page, there's 200 photos, over two hours of audio interviews. It's extensive documentation free of charge to the community to help preserve Guy Cassidy's hard work and his incredible toy legacy. You know what I mean? So I, I'm one person that's, you know, a representative of a much bigger movement to preserve and, you know, present this stuff to the community. So thank you for saying that. Um, but more importantly, thank you to everybody else that sees crazy Carson coming along with an idea and says, yeah, all right, let's do it. You know? Hey man, crazy, crazy Carson always has a home at what's on Joe mind. So you have, right. have anything you need to share. You bring it on and we will, uh, we will, we plug in the microphones and we will turn it up to 11 for you. It feels like home brother. I appreciate you guys having me, man. It's a but, nice homecoming. But always, always at any time, but let's let you get to, let's let you get to sleep, man. All right, fellas and ladies. <laughs> Carson, it's been lovely having you, man. All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. Bye. Yo, Joe. So if you're just tuning in now, uh, you just missed Carson's, uh, his panel from Joe Fest. And so uh, just a, a beginning to end production of an O-ring style uh, 1982-ish type themed uh, action figure with all of the original creators. You will definitely, when we when we get done here tonight, you will definitely want to go back and watch that, that beginning. Uh, make sure that you're also doing all the wonderful YouTube and Facebook things, like our video, subscribe to our channel, like our Facebook page, all that other great social media stuff. Share this around. We really want to get people aware of this. We want to make yeah. this as big as possible. I think that was, without a doubt, the best 60-minute elevator pitch I've ever heard. Yeah. And you worked, you worked for the, 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 the main place. Uh, for a while. Uh, for a little bit. I mean, yeah, you're, a little bit. Four years. That's an that's an Olympiad. That's an administration. Five, five years. Don't you sell me short, Mike? You're sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. My math is off. Whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of crummy jobs in that time, so I can't keep track of when you had a good one. No, no, no you can you can keep track of it. You just watch where the profits fell off. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't sink the whole time. No, no. As a matter of fact. The Transformers team is doing amazing work right now. Uh, so they've uh, they've taken that hand off very smartly. There you go. I mean, you can... That's all. Carson's stuff is awesome. And the, and the lone... If, if I'm going to be the lone tomato thrower, because he already said it, yeah, I kind of hope they change the name. Right? Let's hope Larry comes up with something a little more... <laughs> Larry will do it. A little more compelling than Rotello. He'll, he'll come through. Yeah. Have faith in some in some Larry. I like how I saw Mark Pennington uh, talk there, and he when people would ask him about characters, he'd have no idea who they were talking about, <laughs> right? Because he would design them as Snowtrooper, right? Right, and they'd go, "Blizzard's my favorite," and they'd talk for five minutes, and then he'd go, "Which one is Blizzard?" Right, <laughs> <laughs> and they go and they show a picture, and go, "Oh yeah, 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 I love Blizzard. I thought it was great. I want to make a more modern <laughs> snow job," and he'd go right into it. But when he designed them, man, they were just like. 
you know, breacher trooper. Just names, yeah. yeah. Just, just yeah. generic infantry trooper, et cetera, et cetera. And there, and there was always 12 more to design. So once one was done and off to Larry, he was done with it, right? Like, did not right. care. Not as he did not care, but had something else to work on. Well, he needed he needed his mind clear for the next yep. next one, and it was he only focused on what he needed to focus for the amount of time that he needed to build that, and then yep. it was gone. Yep, people are like, "I love the Helleviper." He's like, "Okay, Cobra, <laughs> Cobra Copter, dude." Okay, got it, got it. Got it. <laughs> I love that guy too. Much great. like Joe Colton on baking projects. Yeah, true. Just clog it all, and then just flush it out. But I'm we're, very we're, thankful Maggie came over because this is like my seventh time trying chocolate chip cookies. We are we are running pretty long already, and we got a lot of news to cover. So let's let's roll right into the news. Do, 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 do. Uh, first news item: Mezco has announced a new roadblock for its 112 collective line. The second figure in the series, Destro, was the first, if you remember. Uh, Destro has, or rather, Roadblock has over 30 points of articulation. Uh, he comes with a cloth uniform. And I'm going to get the uh, this thing going here. There we go. There's some Roadblock. Uh, cloth uniform, three heads, six pairs of hands. The equipment shown in the photos on screen. He is available for pre-order at $95. And that includes a non-refundable $23.75 deposit. Roadblock is expected to ship between May and July of 2022. And to put that on the calendar there, if you order Destro, that's January to March 2022. So this is more of a second quarter type of opportunity. Uh, but there we can see Roadblock with his big gun uh, laying down some suppressive cover fire and then posing with the smaller gun in the in the other one. These are straight off of Mezco's website. If you go to the, the site we have listed down below in the description, uh, you will find these shots and more. And here's a, a more detailed look on what is included with Roadblock. And that's a lot of stuff. Um, as much as... I, personally, I was a little lukewarm on Destro. He, he looked a little weird, and the, the metal smiling head was a little weird. But I really like Roadblock. Um, Joe Colton, what's your thoughts? I, too, thought that Destro was a little weird. Um, his facial expression was... A little creepy. Uh, this one's nice. I like the the three different heads. I like the uh, the multiple hands. Uh, it's interesting the cloth, uh, the cloth clothing. I like it. I just wasn't expecting um, expecting it. I guess I don't know why. I just didn't didn't think. And for like the price point is like freaking amazing, especially yeah. for the details on this on this figure. Yeah, I. I pre-order this. Mark Weber. I mean, the cloth is the best part, I think, right? Because mm -hmm. it covers up whatever brutal chest cut is under there. So uh, uh, I'm down with that. It's it's great looking. The first image I saw was with the vest on. Yes. And my so my initial reaction was so they took version two roadblock and gave him version one colors. Right. But now that you see everything, it kind of makes sense. Though I wish mm -hmm. they'd. They'd have been a little more version two on just on the vest, um, but it's great. But for me, it's it's sort of like the sideshow toys shows that came out, mm -hmm. which were exquisite, right? Yeah. Just so good. 
and even working at McFarland Toys at the time when those came out, I looked at the price point and went, can't swim in that water, right? right. Like I might, I might go in if they make my guy, right? right. If they make interrogate, I mean an interrogator, but if they made Ace or Steeler or somebody, I knew it was going to hurt, but I'd be in for that. But as a Joe collector, I'm almost a completist. So, like, for classified, I have them all. For retro, I have them all. If I was going to swim in this pool, I'd need them all as a collector. And at 100 bucks per, not that they aren't individually worth it, but I just don't think I can swim in that pool. And that's no, no diss on diss to Mezco. It's just, I don't think I can be there. And, you know, I wish them well. Uh, I do think it's really interesting that Hasbro is letting somebody else make something different. And I'm going to say superior because they have such a bigger price point to work with it, right? That is not a slam on Hasbro that the $100 figure is superior in many ways to their $25 figures. Right. Totally different animal, but it is a superior version of a similarly scaled figure. And they were always really protective about that on Joe. So it is interesting to see that that has changed at least a little bit under the current. Well, the current regime has only been in place for two months. Right. So it's obviously got started under the previous regime, um, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, I'm going to have to echo your sentiments there. Uh, if you look at them individually, this is beautiful. You know, someday if they if they do a beachhead. You know, I'm, I'm probably in for that one. Uh, but, yeah, you know, on the whole, if, if if Roadblock was my guy, I would totally be in for this. But he's he's yeah. not. So I, I just can't be. It's just it's not. But, you know, we've seen the we've I've said this about every other boutique line that's come along in the past. Apparently, there's there's some kind of a market for some of them mm -hmm. uh, because they keep coming back and they, they keep getting eight, nine, 10, 11 figures per run. So. Yeah. I think that's probably the limit for it, right? When they run out of the A plus guys, yeah. like is as much as we love him, right? Is hit and run really gonna move enough product for them to make him? Right. No, no he's not. Right. He's not. And it's hard for those fans to hear that as well. Mm -hmm. Like I find like how many people love hit and run? Right. How many people love him and would buy this type of figure right yeah everybody loves hit and run but is he anybody's favorite like their number one guy not many not nah. many some but not just many justin that's all yeah well, yeah just and not many, justin bell right can't believe they never made a sigma six hit and run for justin bell right sad really man but uh that's that's that next news item All right, then. It's, uh, like flat, it's like a flat tire at the end. <laughs> uh, leaked images of a supposed G.I. Joe exclusive were found on eBay. Earlier this week, images of a deluxe Zartan figure emerged in an auction for eBay user Roof Crasher, uh, claiming that the figure was due to be a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive this summer. The Zartan figure itself appears to be a repaint of the Zartan that was released general issue. There's some pictures there. Um earlier this year, but it appears to have much more gear, including extra masks or perhaps heads of Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, the Soft Master, the Hard Master, and a skull. 
Uh, Zartan also appears to have a sniper rifle and a repainted bow and quiver set that originally came with the Arctic Attack Storm Shadow from, from last year. Uh, the outer packaging also seems to have a rotating wheel that allows Zartan to appear with the various masks from his inventory. And we'll certainly have more details on this as they're revealed. Uh, but just take a moment here. We got these images from, from histank.com who got them from, from the, the eBay auction. Uh, but Mark, we'll start with you as the, the industry professional here. What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, it, it's perfect for a Comic-Con exclusive, right? right? Absolutely perfect. Extra deco, extra accessories. They're not cutting too much steel. Uh, only on what I'm pretty sure are masks, not heads. Be really cool if they were heads. Um, and the one thing we don't know for sure, but I I would assume they would call it out. And what I think is the gigantic miss on this. As long as you could get it approved through engineering and QA, this is the figure you give the color change to. Right. Yeah. Right? Because you can charge whatever. That's the best thing about San Diego Comic Con exclusives. You can charge whatever the hell you want for them. So people really, will buy them and they'll be sold out within minutes. It. There's no minutes. limit to your creativity yeah. because you can, even if you're only adding something small, right? If it bumps the retail price point from $29.99 to $31.99, you'll never get approved to do it, right? Because yeah. nobody, even if you can't even spin that to Walmart or Target and say, you'll make more money, right? We'll just bump the price to $31.99. You make more money and we can include the Gatling cannon. And they go, nah, lose the can and keep it at $29.99. $31.99 is a weird price point. And they're right on some level, but on collector-fueled things, it absolutely doesn't matter. And at San Diego Comic-Con, if they wanted to add in color changing on Zartan's skin here with, with exposure to sunlight, and it costs $5 more, cool. This could go from $46.99 to $51.99, and they wouldn't sell one less figure. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, we don't know for sure that this doesn't do that. But if it did, I think they would call it out on the packaging, especially on the interior, maybe. But I think that's a miss. And then yeah. the other bit, and I have been there, and it's not always one specific person's fault, and COVID didn't help. But, man, they just had G.I. Joe June, Right. This is something I know they wanted to trumpet and announce and release and celebrate. And instead, it leaked out in an eBay auction. Right. Yeah. That's a big miss. And it's not always the brand team's fault. But whoever's fault it is, I have been on the brand team when things leak. And it sucks. So, especially something that has been as universally embraced as this product. It really sucks that they didn't get the opportunity to unveil this on a Pulse Friday or on their website or something. Yeah. Um, but it is, I, you know, it is what it is. It looks great, and I imagine the price will be right for it, and it's sharp. And we don't know that it's for San Diego either, just for the record. We, it, right. it could be for any any convention coming forward. It could be for mm -hmm. Polkcon. Uh, which is Hasbro's own event. It could be for, for something else later in the year, maybe for PulseCon and San Diego. I mean, yeah. The size we, is... We don't have any confirmation as far as when this was planned to, to be released. It looks like the box size is the same as the Snake Eyes Timber, right? The Alpha yeah. Commando. That would be my guess, yeah. 
kind of thing. But the extra packaging with that fifth panel and the rotating wheel, that absolutely screams event exclusive. Yeah. So this is probably probably a Comic-Con with Pulse leftover kind of thing. So I, I think that's dead on. But obviously, you're right, Mike. They haven't said anything about this yet, probably because they're still cursing under their breath that right. it got leaked through an eBay auction. Right. Now, I can't see it, but is that a Narishikagi symbol on the bow? Like on the, not on the bow, on the um, quiver? Quiver. Yeah. It's, I can't it's, see. It is. It's, it's sculpted. It I think it's sculpted on. on okay. Okay. So it would have had to cut a new, cut new steel to take it off. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next news item. Do, 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 do. And this one's for the honcho. Oh, no. It's weird. I don't see anything. You Target. don't see that Target? <laughs> Target announces the Summer Geek Out promotion for uh. Uh, starting on July 6th. Target will be opening pre-orders for new exclusives or reissues of previously sold out exclusives. It's assumed that some or all of the previously short-sold G.I. Joe classified Assault on Cobra Island figures will be included. But as of showtime, Target has not revealed any information which toys are being released. Uh, Target announced that they will be showing a new item every weekday starting on Tuesday, July 6th, with pre-orders starting for that item that day at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Sunday, July 25, they're teasing the month's biggest reveals, in quotes. Again, we'll have more on this as it develops. They just announced it a couple days ago, and they're obviously playing it all pretty close to the vest. But I am going to guess that all of the the beachheads and the Cobra soldiers and the Vipers that we haven't seen at retail, this is where they're going to start popping up first. That's my guess. Again, can't confirm any of that. And Biff McConkie Donk asks, really? 5 a.m. <laughs> really? 5 a.m. Pacific. Move to a real coast. So. Yeah. Breath mint or candy mint? Candy mint. Definitive, right there. We're mm -hmm. running late. I think, this, I think this is a good idea. I hope it. I hope they pull it off, and I hope they fulfill their customers' pre-orders. Right. How's that? Is that diplomatic? It is. I right. mean, I'm happy to report that I have not had my pre-orders canceled for the Ram or for barbecue yet. So yeah, stay yeah. tuned. Right. I. I. I'll be honest. I'm checking it far more often than I should be. I, just speaking from experience, try not to miss that email they didn't send you. Mm -hmm. Oof. Check that yeah. spam folder. Yeah. Ah, one for bitter. <laughs> but uh, next news item. Do, 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 do. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marauder Task Force Vietnam launches on Kickstarter. Uh, Marauder Incorporated launched their most recent. Uh, let me get that up on the screen here. There we go. Um, Launched yeah. their most recent Kickstarter on June 30th, which has them bringing their take on Vietnam-era military figures in 118 scale. It funded in one hour. Mm -hmm. uh, seriously, one freaking hour. Uh, as of this show, the project is listing a pledge total of... And let me pull that back up here. I lost it. Is this going to be shipwreck again? What? No, it is not. I promise. 
Uh, the current total is. Come on, browser, go for it. Come on. What uh, version of Netscape Navigator are you using? It is. It is net, just as bad. It's Safari. Two hundred thousand eight hundred sixty-two dollars. Nice. And that is for a goal of sixty-four thousand dollars. That's awesome. So, I was going to say, hey, support our friends at Marauder, but you know what? You're do, you, do what you want. They don't need your help. Yeah. <laughs> like if you want to join in, that's a full bandwagon. They they absolutely knocked us out of the park. But the the project will continue to collect pledges until August fourteen. That is forty-three days from now. Right. When they will when they will top one hundred billion dollars pledged. Uh, congratulations to the entire Marauder Incorporated team. Uh, they have unlocked nine stretch goals to this point. So if you're if you're keeping track at home, they have unlocked the Green Beret with M16, the World War II U.S. Airborne Paratrooper, uh, the LLRP with Claymore, the LLRP with AK-47, the NVA. Regular, the Navy SEAL shotgunner, the Navy SEAL stoner gunner, the Marine rifleman, and the Marine M60 gunner. So that is all unlocked to this point, and they're charging on forward to uh, shoot. Next up is the Night Force Shattered Glass Skeletor Paratrooper. It's right, because it's an left. amazing figure. That's all that's left. They've done all the others. It's all that's left. I'm, I'm scrolling so far down this page to get the next next uh, stretch goal. It is uh, a Green Beret Radio Man. So a Green Beret in the with the, the old 60s style radio transceiver. That is at uh, $210,000. So they're almost there. And then stretch goal 11 to 234 is a helicopter crew door gunner. Uh, at at uh, stretch goal 12 at 248,000, which seems to be still in the foregone conclusion category. Mm -hmm. uh, the Air, Cav Air Cavalry pilot, he's got a helmet and a little wild bill hat. So he's pretty awesome. And then we, yeah, it, we're just, it's just good stuff. We go all the way up to the, the Army nurse at uh, stretch goal 14, and she comes with all kinds of medical gear, and that's pretty awesome. Uh, and then, you know, who knows? They'll be adding more after that if and when they get past that stretch goal. So big round of applause. Yeah, absolutely. Incorporated. If you just launched your Kickstarter today and your only lament tonight is, God, I don't think we made enough stretch goals. <laughs> you did a really good job, right? Stretch and their quality is great, always. Yeah. Stretch goal go. number 25 is Richard Nixon. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> there's Dave. Sold. We love the smell of plastic in the morning. That's right. It smells like victory. The cool thing about Nixon is you can release him twice as a crook and also as not a crook. <laughs> release him as a head in a jar. Right. Oh. Enjoying the great taste of Charleston chew. Is that wrong? And lime skittles. Oh, foreshadowing. Don't be giving away my don't be giving away my, my future content there. Next oh. Oh. Yeah. Keep it going because we missed the first half. <laughs> so uh <laughs> LBJ with removable gallbladder. That's <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
That's wrong. So wrong. Ragtime Rob has a degree in history, you know. Yeah. He also has a degree in sarcasm. Right. Damn. Right. That was that's just earned living in our house growing up. Anyways, rank and file rank and file book five is ready to order. Uh, as we noted on our Facebook page a couple of days ago, our good friend noted author James Cavanaugh's latest book is ready to order at rahcguide.com. Rank and file book five covers all one eighteenth scale G.I. Joe releases from the latter half of twenty seventeen through the current day. That's a good year. It is. Rank and file number five is $20 plus shipping and handling. And uh, there we go. Order today. Right? Isn't this the one with 100% more Weber forward? I, I thought it was. I, was I, wasn't, I wasn't seeing that anywhere, but I wanted to make sure before I went and, and touted that one out. This is uh, the, the one that Joe Colton canceled on, and so the honcho Mark Weber stepped in and and wrote a, a good forward because it was legitimately keeping the world safe for democracy. Fair enough. We don't we don't hold that one against you, Joe Colton. Yeah, no. Not, not I, this I, time. I myself was not. So. <laughs> Mark Weber was free from the surly bonds of of democracy protecting. He's also so. a better writer and just more experienced than but, I am. <laughs> but but slightly less adept cosplayer. Slightly. slightly slightly no one's judging you for it it's and not, not brave enough to sit on captain kirk's bed i'll tell you that much uh, i mean if if noted author james cavanaugh sat down they'd have to try and get him off of it is the problem <laughs> like, joe colton would know it's to when it was time to go home <laughs> james the, would not who's to say cavanaugh wasn't there before right Just right so. i mean it he's uh have have uh, full gas tank will travel. <laughs> oh my god! But Doug Dillon, uh, game, he bought it at Joe Fest from a certain noted author. That's right. It's good. I saw James down there. Could always good seeing him in person. Except when he's dressed at jo as Joe, then it's not good to see him at yeah, all. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was shut uh, up. It's awesome. That's a limited edition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, look, I I can appreciate the the. Uh, the compliment that you may have taken from that, however, <laughs> however yeah, you were you were a much more uh, convincing gentleman than he was. <laughs> uh, we'll just leave it at that. The term the term visually scarring has been used to describe. He's that. he still has that dress. I like let him keep it. <laughs> we're well, gonna want it back. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah. I had. And I gave him one. I gave him, I think, the longest one because I've I've seen James and I've seen what he does. And I didn't wanna I didn't wanna have everyone have interesting dreams. I think you sabotaged him, Joe. <laughs> everyone knows the rule of cosplay is skin to win. Man. That's the news. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Oh, oh, you know, you know what? Before we forget, there's that crummy helicopter thing that you can buy at, at Tuesday morning or Burlington oh god, Burlington Factory. Let's let everybody freak out about that for a week. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Breaking news. Yeah, it just uh, it was not. I, I just wasn't. I wasn't up for including even more photos into what was already going to be in a PowerPoint intensive episode of What's on Joe Mind. Yeah. I think you. I think you gave it the coverage it deserved. It's maybe, it's, maybe more. But. 
Go go get your four bucks out to Burlington Coat Factory and buy yourself a Vietnam era helicopter with a sticker. <laughs> but hey, it does fly, so it's not too bad. And it's got the Garrido artwork, so that's not too bad. So eh, that's oh, working. Oh god! Just worth slap, slap, an off, slap an off striker on it. Yeah, there you go. We're good. Good, good enough. Uh, an off striker with the driver's seat on the wrong side. The European version. That's right. Mm -hmm. The Euro striker. Except it says United States across the hood. Whatever. It says United States backwards. That's so you can read it in the. No, no, they fix. I think it's fixed. <laughs> I don't so know. They actually took the time to fix the wrong vehicle. I, I have I have no desire to keep running with this particular joke. So I, right, no, I can't I can't do Mo it anymore. I'm moving on. Next joke. Next joke item. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that brings us out to what we got in. Oh, good lord! And so I, I know um, the the Honcho is freshly home from Joe Fest. So I, I know he's just got all kinds of stuff he is itching to show off. Maybe if he took pictures, we would get it on the, the Instagram page. But. I got a camera. You, you want a picture? I, I use a camera. We go live. We'll do it live. <laughs> so so go ahead, Mark. Take it okay, away. So I haven't got much in this year, right? Why? Saving my money for Joe Fest. So we're going to do the speed round, right? So first, this has got to be an exciting moment for everybody. I'm going to hold these four guys up together. They're just from like the Granite bin, right? You don't even need to see who they are, right? Because what are we looking at here, ladies and gentlemen? Pants. Quality legs, baby. And if you're a lazy bastard customizer like me, it doesn't matter how bad psych out is. Because from the look at that, that's a solid pair. I can use those anywhere. So I got I got some good uh, cheap custom stuff from Chris Neal's booth. Look at that glider guy, right? Cloud burst. Glider. Mm -hmm. Ten bucks. How can you forget it? We did. We got a bunch of file cards. Some that I needed, and some that just looked cool were cheap. Needed a wild boar. Got myself that viper. Love updraft, and I had a French file card for it. Nice. So, Ozone. That's our boy Dave Kunitz. That'll make sense here in a little bit. Super Trooper. Three Sergeant Slaughters. I have almost no Sergeant Slaughter in my collection because, as you know, I cannibalized him. Keep Thunder alive way back in the day. You stole its crotch, yeah. Yeah, right? So there was more Sergeant Slaughter physically in the room at Joe Fest than there is in my collection. So we had to get working on that. One of my favorite Cobras, the Headhunter Stormtrooper. Price is right, so we added to it. Like I said, I don't have very many Sarges, so it's a pretty good Sarge for 20 bucks. I'll take it. Thunder is right. These are Chris from Chris Neal's booth, which is always the best booth. Uh, I got the department. So good. So I got a, a full of Viper. I needed one of those. Got a flash. I got to do a little flash surgery coming up. We'll see how that goes. Uh, got this little jammy for 10 bucks, right? Oh, nice. Right? The only problem, it's missing like the whole inside. Everything. Yeah, that's coming from eBay and it wasn't cheap. But this was. So, okay, cool. Uh, just in case you got any corpses that need to be picked up. Hey. It's a Joe Colton guilty pleasure right there. Oh, my God. Why? Cool. I'm thinking about uh, customizing it into a Battle Force 2000 vehicle just for the irony. So we'll see where that ends up. Uh, okay. And then I'm almost done. So 
uh, I don't know, a month ago, we opened this bad boy up live, right? Uh, okay. It's over Scorpion. Am I so long? long? Yeah, you're good. Anyway, um, it comes in tan chassis with. It sounds like I'm killing the broadcast. No, we we had a, kind of some weird lag go on. I think we're getting ourselves righted. So you you should be good. Just keep going. Ahead. Okay. So this vehicle came in two different ways. It came with tan chassis and black accessories, and black chassis with tan accessories, and they're both about equivalent equivalent to each other. But it's hard to find an open one to get the flipped version if you wanted to get both or if you wanted to do what me and lots of people have done, make it all tan and make an all black Jeep. But Chris nailed to the rescue and I had to bag the box because I wouldn't fit in my bag on the way home. But there's my black chassis Scorpion. So we'll do our first lazy bastard vehicle coming up. That'll be exciting. And then here's the best part. So... This is my Leatherneck from my childhood collection. This is my Dusty from my childhood collection. Look at that bipod in there. Who's got the bipod? I got the bipod. So anyway. I have that? a bipod that was chewed up by my dog. Well, that'll happen. I still, right? have, I still have it. Well, yeah, you got to keep that. Even chewed up, you get 20 bucks for it. Yeah. So anyway, these were uh, specific. And uh, they mean something to me, not just because they're my for my childhood collection, but on the flight down and on the way back, I got to spend some time with Virginia and Ron Rudat. And I've known Ron through Facebook, but we've never met in person. So we, we flew from Providence to Atlanta, Atlanta to Augusta and back again. So I got to spend some really good time with both of them. And at special request, rather than bring the file card, I just brought. A nice little label. There you go. So I got Ron's autograph on the back of the two file cards that mean the most. The guy that had his name, the guy that was modeled after his face. And I think that's going to be where uh, an area I take my collection next is Joe's that were sculpted after real people or named after real people. Maybe I can scare up uh, or some of the voice actors. I can scare up autographs and it won't be painful because I'm only asking them to sign uh, uh, label basically to go on the back of the file card because there's no real good place to get a quality autograph, right? Because the file cards get so damaged. So that's that's something I want to work on, and I know enough people that I think that's something I can chase and keep myself busy for a while. Torpedo Mike's got a question for you there, Hancho. Yeah, the Force Two Thousand Mobile Battle Bunker. Isn't that like a zombie driving a hearse? Right. And wouldn't that be awesome? That is beautiful. So, that is Hall of Fame quality right there. Yeah. So we're uh, we're we're on our way. So that's the uh, the Joe Fest Hall. It was a really good show, uh, and the floor was great, and the prices weren't ridiculous. That was my one worry because Joe prices have gone through the roof in the last year, but the floor seemed to seemed to want to do some business, and it felt like they everybody I talked to said it was a really good show. So, in, including our friend Aaron Dietrich, who I talked to for a minute, probably because his booth was hopping, and I didn't want to. He's got a mortgage to pay, brother. Yeah. you don't mean talking to me. Yeah, I didn't want. I said I'm not going to keep you busy, but great to see you. Uh, check out that kid over there; he looks sketchy. That kind of stuff. That's right. <laughs> so. One thing I'll say about that mobile battle bunker. Yeah, 
Holds a lot of corpses. It does, doesn't it? A lot of corpses. Can't wait. Joe Colton, what'd you get in? Oh, no. Joe Colton, you're on mute. I got nothing this week. You got nothing? Where'd you go last weekend? Oh, I went to Ticonderoga. Okay, what's up there? Um, it is the original set um, for Star Trek, like the original Star Trek show. So, so that that's why we were making jokes about sitting on Captain Kirk's bed because yes, you had a chance to do that. I did, I did, and I got to talk to James Colley, who is the guy who has been spending basically his life putting it together, and he has a great relationship with Paramount and CBS, and uh, he has been uh, granted, he has bought, he has saved from from uh, warehouses a lot of the original series uh, set pieces, props, and he has not been able to save everything. Actually, he told us one story that he uh, was given literally a day to get as much of whatever was in that warehouse out because they had rented it and the new renters were coming in Monday and it was Saturday and he couldn't, he got three truckloads and there was probably 15 that he could have filled. And the, the rest of it just went to the dump. Like he couldn't save any of it. So, but it was great. It was great to go down there and I got mom a shirt. So I guess I got a, a Star Trek original t-shirt. You got a shirt. Yeah, sure. I hope it's not a red shirt. We, we like mom. Right? Not a red shirt. It's got Kirk and Spock uh, and a Uhura on the front. And it's original artwork that was made for original did he save his toupee? No. Bill Bill Shatner has that on his own. Thank you very much. Yeah. But uh, any any truth to the rumor that while you were sitting on Captain Kirk's bed, that William Shatner was held back with leather restraint? Right. No, he wasn't there. But I found out that he loves giving the tours. So, like when he comes to visit, <laughs> I plan to get a ticket and ha go through the tour with William Shatner. Yes. With with Billy the Shats, all right. Yes, and awesome. he's Canadian. I got to right. Just just show up. You don't need a ticket. He'll be like, "You're with me." <laughs> My hair was bigger this time. I don't know what I did, but it looked very fifties and gigantic. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> I like I did the puff, and then I did the beehive thing, and then like there was just hair. What <laughs> Was it human? Was it uh, humidity, perhaps? Maybe I don't know, but half of it was fake hair, so I didn't. I don't think a fake hair re <laughs> reacts to humidity. You never know. But if if you follow Joe Colton cosplay on Facebook, uh, be sure to check that out because there isn't. It's like her camera vomited pictures. <laughs> I still have photos that I didn't post because I felt like I was spamming people. I was trying to do it like a little at a time. So it like spread out. It's best just to do it all at once. Just boom. Just one drop. I tried. It kept like, <laughs> it kept racing my post. <laughs> so I was like, that's it. I'm just doing 12 at a time or something. Yeah. When Facebook or Instagram pops <laughs> up and says, you have posted too much. Yeah. It's probably a sign. When it pops up and says, Jesus, I'm tired. Stop it. <laughs> Stop posting. Yeah. So what I got in this week, just to, yes. to move it along. Beachhead number 21. Yeah, that one can drink. 
Yeah, you're, is, you're is ridiculous blackjack. with these things. That is blackjack right there. And I tell you what, this was this showed up on on Tuesday on eBay, and it was I got it I got it Thursday. That's how quick the turnaround was there. Um, it was a, a buy it now for less than you would normally pay. And it's like if I were going to rank it amongst the other ones in terms of quality, it might be the best one out of the twenty-one. Like huh. it, that is a superior buy right there. I am I am thrilled about this purchase because he was pretty inexpensive, relatively speaking, um, and and uh, and just just he's great. The, the, the joints are tight. The original he's got his original gear. Uh, there's no paint rubs to speak of. Even his little arm thing is is all is is full. It's it is just a great vintage figure uh, that I feel like I got an absolute steal, and you can see it on on uh, you can see it on on Instagram. I got it from Tom's Vintage Toys in Mishawaka, Indiana. So if you're in that area, check out Tom's Vintage Toys. And uh, also, and perhaps even more importantly, I found a bag of all lime Skittles. Oh yeah, all lime. That's the one that got kicked out, right? Lime is the one they got rid of to make room for the far inferior green apple. Green apple's awful. So this any, is like any, any is kind it, of green apple candy is butt. Who's the beetle that got kicked out? Stu something? Uh it's Pete Best, isn't it? The Pete Best. This is like a Pete Best solo album. Hmm. Basically. Okay. Whatever. Hey, I'm glad you found it. Yeah. It's all lime, man. All lime. I bet it, I'm just going to say. All lime all the time, baby. I bet it wasn't the last one at the store. It was the last one at the store. Was it? I would have bought more of them if there was more of them. Man. The last one. And I've held on to it all week because I wanted to show it up on here and have you guys look at me like I was a crazy person. So what happens now? Are you just going to like inhale it when we get yeah. off? Yeah. yeah. No, I'll probably eat them tomorrow. Have you ever shotgunned the full pack of Skittles before? I, I can't say that I have. Normally, like I, I can't do, I'm not a young man. I can't do a whole bag of Skittles, especially a whole share size bag of Skittles. Like this is for three or four people. Um, yeah, but, but they're all named Mike. They, they are, but it, it's it's three or four, three or four different sittings at least. Fair enough. I, I uh, yeah, I, I, I get all kinds of, I get all kinds of jumpy. Now, I don't, I don't think this is a Mentos set you up kind of thing. Maybe if you dropped one into that diet Dr. Pepper cream soda vanilla cherry. If I could find it. Oh. What, I, what I got is a, a cherry Coke Zero tonight. So maybe maybe that'll. Maybe since the, it's a good experiment. You only got a little left. Don't finish it. Drop a lime in there. Reseal it. Leave it overnight. Now you've got lime Coca-Cola Zero extravaganza. I got another one. I can, I can just start with a fresh okay. one in the morning. Okay. It's all good. But that's what we got there. Beach Party '86, growing all the all all every day, every day more for Beach Party '86. Uh, I hashtag it on Instagram, so be sure to follow us there and all of our social media. Like, share, and subscribe. Absolutely. You want to see more cool stuff like Carson's uh, uh, presentation from Joe Fest? You like, know how uh, he uh, mentioned there were some projector difficulties? Yes. Why? As a matter of fact, why don't you use that to foreshadow next week's show? Well, um, after Carson, uh, I think there was maybe a separate panel, but then there was uh, uh, Bobby Dallas Valiver's panel, which went really well. 
uh, particularly because Bobby brought all of his own equipment. Uh, Smart so guy. It all went real smooth. My panel did not go as smooth as hoped. Uh, so we had a little fireside chat, a little gather around the laptop, which everybody was cool about. And I left time for Q&A and there were lots of questions. Uh, so I spent a lot of time uh, chatting with fans, which is great because I'm a fan. Uh, but the PowerPoint that I worked on pretty damn hard, really didn't get its, uh, its full uh, showing, its full debut. So next week, on okay. exclusively on the What's on Joe Mind podcast, I will be re-debuting uh, my Joe Fest presentation, Yay! which was uh, a pitch that I put together back when I was at Hasbro about how to celebrate the original re-release, the original release of the Real American Hero 1982 GI Joe. So hmm. I think it's cool. I think you'll like it, and it's a. Uh, I've updated a bit as it's not what I pitched then, it's how I would pitch it now. Uh, so I think I think you'll like it. Uh, you, can, you can gather up in front of the computer with people you actually want in your space. Yeah, exactly, right? So you got as much elbow room as you want, uh, and the screen is a good size, as opposed to looking over three guys' shoulders to try to check out my laptop. And, so, and some of them were probably not too fresh. Probably not. Some, was, of them, some of them are probably a little too fresh. It was late Saturday, so it's starting, hey, hey. starting to get a little gamey. So uh, we'll do that next week. So <laughs> next Friday on the What's On yeah. Joe Mind team stream. We oh, could have done it this week, uh, but Carson's stuff was a billion percent cooler. So fine. I don't know uh, about a billion, but we promised him before it happened. So yeah, it's fine. Well, no, I, it's cooler. That's fine. I don't. I don't mind being the second best. Out of two. But cool. So while uh, while well, while you've got the floor, Mark Mark Weber, why don't you go ahead and do your shout outs? Oh, um well, uh I've never been to Joe Fest before. Uh and so uh Ed Schumacher, who reached out to me last late last year, um, or maybe even last summer. It's been a while. But yeah, absolutely I'll go. Lo would love to go. And I had a really good time. Everybody there was great. Um Yay. and it was when I was at the last uh, Joe Con. I didn't expect people to recognize me at all. I thought I would I would be a fan, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. I am a fan. Always have been, always will be. But it was such a good convention because I got such positive feedback from the community about, thank you for your time on Joe, and we think you're great. We're sorry you're not there anymore, and, and, and all that stuff. So that was really cool. This con, it was a little different. Uh, I wasn't recognized as much because time marches on, but it became split. Half of the people who did recognize me knew that I worked at Hasbro and, and said, you know, we appreciate your time, whatever. But the other half was love the What's on Joe Mind podcast. Ah! So pretty cool that, uh, you know, of the people who recognized me, half of them did from the podcast. And the other bit of that is probably wouldn't have got me from my voice. Um, so I think it is. It speaks to the power of the shift that we made to do this live and to do it on video, because people now yes. know they see you know an incredibly attractive guy in an ASD hat. They're like it's probably Mark Weber, and absolutely it was. So that was that was all cool. And and to the uh, I'm gonna have to look up his name because I'm blanking on it. I was done with the convention Saturday night, determined to get a good meal, uh, and so I went to this great little. Uh, hammer joint 
and a guy who was leaving, just getting dinner, and then he and his wife were doing like a three-hour drive, saw me in line and said, Mark, you know, are you here with somebody? No, I'm just grabbing a burger. So you're welcome to, to sit with us if you like. Sure. And we talked Joe for, God, an hour and a half probably. And his, oh, wife, nice. his wife was so patient with him and I. Uh, so we had a good talk. And big Braves fan, so now he's hooked up on Eternal Baseball. Nothing better than that. So I, had a great time. Right there. Yeah. So to Ed and then to, uh, I'd never, as I said, never met Ron Rudat or his wife, uh, Virginia. She goes by Ginny before and yes. spent a lot of time with them uh, traveling down and then traveling back. And they're, they're every bit as nice as you've always heard. Uh, so it was great to spend some time with them. Uh, and I appreciate Ron giving me double autographs uh, <laughs> at the end of the, in the Augusta airport when we were waiting for our flight. So I, I picked my spot. Um, but it was great to meet them and spend some time with them as well. Hey, man, you paid twice. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Colton, shout outs. Um, this week, I'm going to shout out to Maggie, who helped me uh, bake cookies. <laughs> <laughs> because what happens when you try to bake yourself? Um, last the time. Is no, no, last time they, they had a styrofoam texture. <laughs> Joe, you are a good cook. Right? I know. So why can't you do this? So chocolate chip cookies are my kryptonite. I don't know what I'm doing, but like the last time I made them was was ate them, but he was like, they have like a styrofoam texture, something. It doesn't <laughs> matter what comes after styrofoam. It's yeah. not good. Did did you, you did make right? Did you make him cookies before the wedding ever? Uh, no. So he didn't know. <laughs> okay. But I made like uh, mini um, cheesecakes and those turned out amazing. I don't know what it is about chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> like my nemesis. And I like really want to be able to make them. It's awful. People have given me recipes. I've tried. <laughs> I've burnt the outside. I've made them so dry. They like, <laughs> they're hard as rock. I've I've cooked them where they're like golden on top. <laughs> they put the recipe on the bag of I, the I have tried that recipe. I've also made it so they're hard on the inside and like squishy on the outside. I don't know how I did that. That's <laughs> hard to do. That's amazing. That's like a chemistry experiment. <laughs> so we yeah, got to Maggie and who else? We we gotta get rolling. Um uh Wes for actually eating the cookie and telling me honestly <laughs> and not dying or or just saying that they taste like chalk. It's fine. They actually it's taste so, like it's so brave. <laughs> and then uh my parents who got their second vaccine. So Canada, as you, you guys probably know, are very short on vaccines, and they were actually gonna get their second one July 19th. But the doctor's office got uh, a supply in of Moderna and asked them if they wanted to get it earlier. And if so, they had to come like the next day. And so they went in the next day at noon and got their second vaccine. And so we've got we've got a like two week window now where they have to like be very, very careful because they're over 70. So, yes. Um, is that all you got? 
That's all I got. Oh, okay. and, and to the peanut gallery and you guys. And our fourth uh, fourth man who, mm. who, who moderates the peanut gallery. Are, are oh, you uh, trying oh. to steal my, my weekly? Yes. Direct yes. Number? I'm stealing it because you're making fun of me and my cookies. Uh, you know what? I'd do it again. <laughs> Got no problem with that. But we're also pumping up the courage of your husband, right? <laughs> I mean, he's what the about my courage. EWA Hall of Famer. It takes a lot of courage to continually fail at making cookies and keep trying. Two time EWA champion, Wes Mercer. The, the courage of Wes Whitlock is so prominent that I think Jeremy Renner is going to cosplay as Wes. That's what I think is coming out. Is he tall enough? No. Probably not. Probably, Probably not. not. Anyways. Uh, my shout outs? My shout outs, of course. The fourth man of the What's On Joe My Team, Racktime Rob. Holy. Only the rock here is Ari. Uh, also to our fine sponsor, Kokomo Toys. Uh, thank you for all the help you give us for getting the show out and and uh, and distributed. And it's always fun to to talk with, with Todd about uh, what we want to do next as far as shouting from the rooftops. Uh, give a quick shout to our, our good friend at, at All the Cool Stuff, sponsor of the Joe Colton Swear Jar, Dave Tree. Uh, thank you for your continued support as well. Uh, give a shout out to all the folks watching live. Give a shout out to all the folks watching on recording. Uh, we appreciate you just as much. Uh, please, if you got a second, if you're watching us on YouTube, go down, like like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and give us a reaction uh, to the video now, and then then pop over to YouTube when you're done and subscribe to us there because that really that helps us out. If you got us covered on both bases, that is a big deal as far as us uh, getting into the algorithms and and getting to where more people can can find us and see us. Um, we really appreciate all the help that you give us in that regard as it is. Uh, make sure that you leave a comment, and not just a comment in the live, comment down there, uh, and and hit all the links that we've got in there if you're, if you're interested in uh, James's book, or the Marauder Kickstarter, or Roadblock from Mezco. All those links are down there, uh, so be sure to check them out so that we get them, you know, they, they list us as the source of those things, and that really gets us distributed through through YouTube really well. Um, Mark Weber, you have a thought? Real, real quick, almost forgot. I got one custom item from a fan that is separate from my Jokon haul. I will show it next week. It's incredible. Uh, so I want to give a shout out. He's actually in the comments. Uh, to White Vegeta or Vegeta, either way. Vegeta. It, Vegeta. Well, Vegeta. you say Vegeta, I say. Anyway, no, I don't. Anyway. Um, it's great, and I'll show it next week. Okay. want to give a shout-out to our guest, Carson Metaxas of 3D Joe's, who is here with us today, uh, giving us his, yeah. his just awesome panel uh, from Joe Fest. And, and uh, of course, he's welcome back anytime. If you missed the beginning hour of today's show, you need to go back and watch the first hour of today's show. It, it really is, I think, one of the best live streams we've done, one of the best team streams we've done since we've been doing them. Um, but uh, that's it. That's all we got. Remember to exercise your freedom of choice and choose to protect yourself and your neighbors by getting fully vaccinated. That is two shots, one in each arm. Go get it done because we don't we, we haven't beat a pandemic 
until everybody is there. And only half of the adults in the U.S. are fully vaccinated. That is not acceptable. That's not, not going to get done. We are going to be heading towards more mask mandates and lockdowns potentially in the fall if we don't get that number up. So make your appointment if you haven't gotten this done already. And, and please, please, please vaccinate. For my co-hosts, Mark Weber and Joe Colton, I'm Mike Irizarry. Be sure to tune in next week at 9 p.m. for the What's on Joe Line team stream. We love you all. Have a great night.